0: Oh, and welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and we got a full house today. We have David Burdett.
1: I paused Call of Duty to be here.
0: Thank you, David. I appreciate <laughs> that. We have Jack Zustiak.
2: Didn't pause Call of Duty to be here.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need to. And we also have Noah Rigsby. I paused God
3: of War Ragnarok to be here.
0: <laughs> oh thank you noah thank you that's a for big your
3: sacrifice yes <laughs>
0: for the in people. this podcast we talk to you about the biggest games of the week what we should have been playing a long time ago in our backlog and what you need to play this week we're going to talk about the return of the blue blur in a 3d adventure in sonic frontiers and an interesting new lego game called lego brick tales every game we talk about is timestamped, so you can jump to the game you are interested in in whatever podcast app you are using so i believe there is every reason to talk about sonic frontiers lots of different opinions out there so let's talk about sonic frontiers first when sonic frontiers was first shown on ign it's that uh, to me and i think to a lot of different people it did not show well at all it was for me it was kind of hard to envision what it was supposed to be and what it ultimately was supposed to do so i haven't seen any new gameplay since it launched but jack how does it feel
2: to play sonic frontiers yeah well i mean so i guess to start off i i saw the ign footage and i hated it <laughs> <laughs> you and us both <laughs> um i mean and i don't know if i necessarily hate it for the reasons you did um because a lot of the red flags that set off to me was well you know sonic's on this open world he's running around he's doing stuff and you know that's fine but it's also you know everyone's doing open world stuff Every, and you know that's just what everyone does so it wasn't like Oh, this is like a bold new direction for Sonic, is what everyone's doing. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, part of it is also, you know, so I, I don't know if you guys know a lot about Sonic, if you care at all if you played any Sonic games oh, yeah. relatively recently. Sonic. Okay, what, what was like? what was the last Sonic game you played?: uh,
0: Well, for a project I did, I pretty much played every single Sonic game to get context for Sonic Frontiers, so okay. whatever it was, I've played it.
2: Okay. Uh, okay, cool. perfect. So, you played. That means you played like basically everything in the past decade, So, like you know, Sonic Colors, Sonic Generations, all that stuff. Yeah. And so, if you, lo- you you know if you looked real closely at this stuff, I mean, Sonic controls at least he looked like he controlled very similarly to how those games looked. And part of my concern is you know th- these games started controlling and you know moving and doing all that stuff since like 2008 in, with Sonic Unleashed. That was 14 years ago. Um, yeah. and that's you know that's like half my life, <laughs> um, and so Sonic's been the same for a very long time. And you know, there's a lot of concerns going into. One of my concerns is that I kind of feel like Sonic stagnated. And there's lots of different reasons for that. You know, everyone's got an opinion about Sonic, and everyone feels like they they know what he should be doing. Right? He should be, you know, it should everything should be like Sonic Mania, or everything should be like this way. And so everyone's got a different opinion. And, you know, when you're running like a company like Sega or, you know, you're doing Sonic, you got to take all this feedback and be like, well, what's Sonic supposed to be? And I think the big answer that they've repeatedly come to is, well, you got to be as safe as possible. You know, we know that people like the way Sonic controlled in Sonic Unleashed. We, you know, we like people like Sonic Generations, all that stuff. So we got to keep that. And then, you know, unfortunately, we got to keep doing that. And so you, you get weird stuff like, well, you gotta bring back the classic Sonic from generations, even though it only really makes sense of the one time thing. Let's bring them back in forces. Uh let's do Sonic Mania, let's do Sonic 4, let's just keep going back to the same stuff. Um and you know, part of that is, you know, the games are still fun, so that's fine. But it it gets kinda here, you know, it's this one Sonic super fan position only I care about. But I feel like that's totally contrary to what Sonic's all about. Um, and so my main concern going into Forces and seeing that footage is like, well, it seems a little familiar, it seems really safe, so it doesn't feel like Sonic to me. Um, and, you know, there's different opinions about, like, well, does it really look that good either? I mean, a Sonic game being good isn't necessarily my concern. I mean, I think usually, even if they have issues, they're usually fun, right? Um, it, it, deep down, they're usually fun. And so I thought, really my concern, is, my concern in the past decade really has been, does this feel like Sonic? and you know i kind of go into a little bit in my review but what what feels like sonic is like well there's a bit of experimentation to sonic right I mean, he's a bit of a character you know he contrasts from mario where it's different from mario cuz mario's you know he's abstract to the core right nothing about him is <laughs> supposed to make sense he's supposed to be a fun video game character and if you read interviews like how he's designed well he has gloves so it's easy to tell when he like hits the blocks and stuff and it's like <laughs> All of the iconic stuff about him was just a direct, directly resulted from how he was like functioning in the video game. Sonic was different because they like specifically wanted to make a character. They wanted to specifically make a mascot, and so you know they're like, "Well, what's cool in the '90s?" And so they defined Sonic by like, "What what's cool with that?" So he's supposed to be like an actual character. Um, and it, that gets a little curbed in, like, the, you know, the American versions of stuff. But you know, if you see like the Japanese box art, they have like English text that, like, Sonic's giving motivational speeches on all these box arts and stuff. He's meant to be a defined character, basically. And a lot of that gets lost, especially in these newer games, because you know they're kind of dumbing down the story because they know that some people don't like the stories. Uh, they get rid of the extra characters because they, pe- they know people don't really like the extra characters, and. I call it in my review, it's like a blandering process where it's pandering and it's kind of bland, and you get, and, and it doesn't <laughs> feel like Sonic to me. <laughs> and, you know, not everyone's going to like that stuff, but that stuff is what makes Sonic to me. And so that's kind of what I was looking for going into Forces. And so, you know, you, you, say, you say you haven't seen any footage. I mean, I don't know if it's a dramatically different game from the footage you've seen, but I think it is overall, it comes together very well. Um, so, you know, basically, the idea is the core conceit is you're supposed to do like this open world Sonic game, but it doesn't feel like an open world really in the, you know, the traditional sense. It's not like a, you know, like you play an Assassin's Creed or something. It's like a big checklist of like, oh, I go here, I do this, or, and, you know, it unlocks that much of the that. That's in this Sonic game. Like you do challenges, you open up the map, but it doesn't feel like that because, I mean, I, be, I basically almost never check the map. Um, you can just kind of do stuff and it's fun and you just do it and it's not it doesn't feel like you're doing like little i don't know like side quest chores like you're not like doing doesn't get a stretch quest-y. right it's basically you're playing dozens upon dozens of little mini sonic levels so like you know you'll randomly walk up to like a spring and then suddenly you're in a mini sonic level where you're you're just going through like a few different platforming sections um, you're getting all these rings, and at the end, you get your collectible reward, and it's over in like 15, 20 seconds. And this is an entire game where you're basically just going from mini Sonic level to mini Sonic level repeatedly. So it doesn't, it doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like an open world game in the sense that you know, you're just doing all these checklists, or really that you're... I mean, there's really no real sense of exploration. <laughs> I guess it's kind of what makes it distinct. It really is just like this is constant barrages of Sonic throwing at your face. <laughs> um, and that's, that's kind of the the key thing that I think separates us from other Sonic games is that it's really not like a revolution of what Sonic has been doing mechanically. It's more like it changes the delivery mechanism of the Sonic content, and that changes things. It's just it's not like a total revolution of Sonic. Like if you played Sonic games in the past decade, you'll find a lot of familiar stuff, and that actually gets more familiar because one of the sonic tasks you can do is they have these like cyberspace levels and you like go into like cyberspace and they're, and they're like normal sonic levels from like sonic generations or sonic unleashed or stuff like that and that, i mean that like literally they are those levels recreated in this game and hmm. it's it, you know it's it really annoys me on some level because it's like come on <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, this is like the exact opposite of what I want where you're kind of circling the drain, but because the actual, I, they kind of delineate, right? Like in a normal Sonic game, those stages are like the main game. And in this game, these are clearly the side content. And so, you know, actually exploring open world and, you know, if you play Sonic games, they have kind of like partial open worlds. Like, you know, in Sonic Adventure, you're going through like the... Mm-hmm. The city, or uh, you know, Sonic Unleashed, you have these little hub areas where you do little challenges to get medals or whatever. And so those are, those aren't like totally different from what the Sonic uh, Frontiers open world is like. Uh, it's just it's a much grander scale of that, and by delineating between like you know by changing the balance between the main game and what's a side game, it feels different, and it feels like a distinct experience. It's just not like a total revolution. And what I was kind of hoping for, you know, I was kind of hoping for a total revolution because, you know, Sonic Forces, Sonic Mania—that was that was five years ago already. And so we've been kind of stuck, at least in my opinion, in a rut where Sonic was kind of at his safest five years ago. We've been stuck with like nothing, and I'm just like the whole time I'm worried—is I mean—is this what Sonic is? now? I mean I like, I think well, pretty much everyone likes Sonic Mania, right? But you know, and I call it my review. View. view. I, I mean, it's a great game, but it's also kind of like a retirement plan, right? It's not like if you accept that every game's got to be like Sonic Mania over and over, then there's no like real future, right? It's just you're kind of circling the same ideas. And I think Sonic needs to like move forward. And and with Frontiers, I think by changing the structure, it is it is pushing things forward. Not as much as I like, but you know, it is pushing things forward. And I think the other good thing it does is it brings a little bit of the stuff that people uh you know complain about back like it, it has like an actual story to it and it has like all those vocal songs that people hate but you know it enhances the narrative cuz it kind of feel like well this is what this game's actually about something for the first time in like a decade um,
1: <laughs> um and, it's and, so, it, <laughs> and it's not
2: <laughs> sonic 6 it's not sonic 6 that's great <laughs> um and you know I, I mean i appreciate that stuff like i mean if i had to like point to the stuff that i feel like got me into video games it would be sonic and mega man when i was a kid because you know that was the stuff that was like oh these games they don't have a lot of story but they have a little bit of story and they like kind of tap into your creativity like i did you know i draw so i drew so many sonic and mega man characters growing up right i mean it's just mm, yeah. it taps into your brain that way and i think it's kind of a shame that that seem to die out a little bit and i think i like that frontiers brings a lot of it back where it makes as a real story it makes the characters feel like real characters um you know they have like conversations like i don't know i don't know if anyone here except for me is like a big fan of the sonic adventure stories. i i really love those stories though i love what they do with the characters where you know they got little arcs where tails in sonic adventure is like he's a sidekick right but he has a little arc where he's you know he like Ends up taking over, you know, taking things over and handling Doctor Robotnik himself at the very end of the story. And they all have little arcs like that. And Sonic Frontiers brings that back and has little stories for all the characters, and it's nice. And I appreciate that. Um, and so, I mean, that's may That's mainly my feelings. Is it I, it does it goes in a lot of the right directions that I like for Sonic. It's not as big of a change up as I would have liked, but it also does lay a, a lot of foundation, I think, for some good changes like. You know, I, I think the open world stuff works. And I think ideally what I would like going forward is kind of like a, a bigger balance. Like, you know, what Mario Odyssey does is, it's not that different, right? Like you're going through these open, larger maps. But then there's also these little side areas that are kind of like, well, here's here's like an actual level that you're playing for a little bit. And I think an ideal Sonic game would kind of carry around that same spirit where you're doing these open world levels. But then you also have like some real stages that aren't like the cyberspace stuff. Like, let's not do like verbatim level design. Let's like actually have real stages, and that would be the ideal Sonic game to me. I think you can work with that. I think the one thing you know, just I mean, the way these Sonic games with the boost mechanic that they've been doing since Sonic Unleashed, they're inherently kind of limited in how Sonic can function. Um, you know, because the way they're designed you can like summon speed no matter what out of thin air and so they have to Mm -hmm. build in a bunch of safeguards for that so they have to be like well if you're gonna do that we're gonna like have these homing attack symbols that you can't miss right you're just gonna press the button you're gonna automatically do it you're gonna get locked into this one path and you know so you can't fall off they're gonna do a lot of that stuff and so that kind of limits what you can do in a 3d space though and you can really feel it because some of the remakes in the cyberspace stages and frontiers are like from sonic adventure and sonic adventure 2 and mm-hmm. so they like they recreate that level design but it feels a little off because i don't know if you remembered like there's this one stage and for some reason it's like supposed to be like sonic's memories of his old stages but they're like mm-hmm. using shadow stages big big issue for me as a sonic uh expert but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but They have one where it's all about like grinding on rails that's a shadow stage Uh and you're supposed to be jumping across these different rails um but it feels a little weird because sonic's in this boost kind of formula he's more locked on to these paths than you would be in sonic adventure where it's a little bit more free form you can jump past this stuff and it doesn't feel quite right and you can kind of feel the limits of like well you know i really wish they would have abandoned or maybe not abandoned but they would have changed up the mechanics a little bit more to accommodate these stages. And then even if they are recreating these old stages overall, it would make everything feel a bit different and be a bit better. Um, I mean, so that's mainly my thoughts overall. I don't know if you have any other questions. Maybe i have talked for a few years already about Sonic. You want me to move on? <laughs> but. <laughs>
3: Well, I know no, the good I,
2: thing I, the good thing that I
1: see with it is one of the when we were watching the videos and we were talking about it on a previous podcasts our biggest thing is we're looking at it and we're like man where's the soul where's where's wait. the soul of Sonic we're watching all these like the 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 open world seemed really lifeless and everything and now you're telling me like that they're delivering these levels differently in these r- really good ways uh that really makes me actually want to play it because I had no interest in the as is that I was seeing from all those igm firsts is just it just did not look fun and now <laughs> hearing that oh it's more that it's delivering you these different levels instead of just going okay here's an open world here's a main quest here's a bunch of side quests like that that sounds a lot more fun Bland, as you were saying, and whereas this, the way they're delivering it, sounds like it, it keeps you more engaged compared to what we were seeing,
2: right? Yeah, and actually, I mean, I guess to follow up on that, I would agree that the you know, the environments they don't really fully feel like Sonic, right? I mean, they feel like you know, this is what you see in Zelda or something, and or this is you know, they got like a grass place desert place and all that it doesn't it isn't like distinctly Sonic i remember there's one line in the game where sonic is like going up to these ruins he's like oh these are the most beautiful ruins i've ever seen but it's like do you remember this is me shining through as like the sonic person but do you remember like it, when you go to the mystic ruins in Sonic adventure and there's like this distinct architecture and it's like you know, yeah. i think this i think these ruins in the dreamcast game from 20 years ago were way cooler than these <laughs> but <laughs> oh. <laughs> um but i think where the sonic shines through in like the maps is a lot of just the abstractness like people are complaining oh there's like rails and stuff in the air but i mean that's like pure that's what sonic levels are right like if you actually look at the architecture nothing in sonic makes sense at all um so when you go, you see these like cyberspace stuff where you like hit a spring and you're suddenly in these like mid-air platforms and all this stuff. You're on these grinding rails. That's where the Sonic personality shines in. I don't know if the maps themselves necessarily feel like Sonic, and so that's, I guess that's something where I would want to see in the next game too. Is like, well, let's make these open maps like more, more in line with what we'd want to see from Sonic. Like, let's say the next game. This is my pet theory is that they're going to make another Sonic Adventure game. I mean, there's a lot. I, I think they have a lot of hints that that what's what they're gonna do. Um, but if they want to make one, let's make the hub worlds like you know like the Station Square or whatever, and make it just this giant city where you're doing this stuff all around the town, and have it feel more like Sonic. That's that's what I would be looking for more in the next game. And so I would agree that as is like if you just look at the environments as environments, they aren't like distinctly Sonic, and they aren't. It doesn't quite shine through. It's really. In the cyberspace stuff you know in in the actual levels and then how they appear in open world that's where it feels more like sonic does it feel
0: like sonic frontiers can set up the future of sonic uh, as the revolution basically like does this feel like the beginning of the revolution or does it feel like this is just missed and they need to try something else to start the revolution
2: I think I think it does start the revolution in a lot of ways. Like I said, it kind of brings back a lot of the personality of the story and the characters. And I think, especially in that front, they really—I mean, I, I guess I don't know if anyone cares about Sonic spoilers. I, I guess we'll keep it vague. But uh, I mean, a lot of the characters are kind of set up that where the next time we see them, they're going to be pretty different. I think that's that's what the game. I think the major theme of the game overall is changing things. Like the whole theme is like, well, Sonic exploring mysterious islands. But like a stagnant civilization that kind of died out. And you contrast it with Sonic, who's always moving, always changing. And that's the major theme of the game overall is that, you know, all the characters end up changing. The problems he solves ends up kind of changing the world around him. And I think that's kind of what they're setting up. And so I, I mean, I don't know what the change is gonna specifically look like. I think like, you know, my idea that I said where I can see these open world style being used for something like Sonic Adventure, where you have these more open maps that you kinda delineate and then you have like the normal stages in those maps as well. That's kind of like I think that's like the final form of what we're gonna be seeing here. Um so I can see the the future it sets up that way. And I mean I guess we won't know for sure because games take like four to five years. We can probably count the number of Sonic games you'll have for the rest of your life if you just like map it out. But um but yeah, I mean I think that's what I think that's what we'll see next. And I think it lays a solid foundation for that. Um you know, I guess ideally, I I'd want them to change up the mechanics a little bit more, just to kind of move on from what they've been doing for so long. Like, I don't know if we necessarily need boost stuff anymore. We've kind of played that out. That's my opinion on it, anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it ways I think what it does works. Like in terms of what it does for the future, and if it's open world and how it delivers stuff, I think it. I think it's a success. I think it's a solid foundation they can use in the future.
0: I've always believed after watching. Sonic Frontiers and going back and playing some of the other 3D Sonics, I'm like, Mario Odyssey pretty much should be where Sonic goes. It just does it in a Sonic way. Not necessarily, you know, Mario, you can pretty much do whatever you want and get away with it. You can put him in a New York City remake and somehow it works. (laughs) Sonic, it has to feel like Sonic. Like, from top to bottom, it has to feel like Sonic. That's where just by looking at it frontiers looks like it misses it on that mark which you mentioned so i feel like focus. yeah i mean you
2: gotta dig a little deeper
0: yeah honestly what i would i would be fine with them remaking classic levels in a mario odyssey style and like funneling it in frontiers manner like i think it would be cool to see like old stages recreated in a way that feels familiar, but it's completely 3D and it feels exactly like Sonic. Basically everything you've been talking about, like Sonic should be as far as gameplay feel. Yes, we've been circling the drain, but giving people some of that. This feels familiar, but it also feels completely different. I think would go a long way if they were successful in Doing that in a third dimension and and I'm not talking about Sonic generations where it's like the Green hill Zone type of like camera flip to the back
2: I, I, I like the way you're talking Green about Frontiers. Huh? I think you need to give Green Hill Zone a rest
0: yeah yeah no for sure, but I mean like in terms of just the way you're talking about there's kind of these mini levels and then there's these larger stages you are engaged with to do that and use classic Sonic levels as a base, because it doesn't seem like Sonic Team is very capable of coming up with original stuff and make it work with Sonic. Use that as a base. Just use some old stuff as a base and put this Frontier stuff and somehow make it work. Because I I don't really trust Sonic Team right now with
1: their uh, creativity. But they've got to save those locations for the eventual Sonic
2: Battle Royale game right <laughs> i can just use all the first oh no the circles
1: clo- the circles closing on green hills <laughs> uh,
0: didn't see that one yep <laughs> that's the next sonic game actually that's I mean, what I, whole I, world I, was I, built
2: for you know i mean i guess i don't fully agree i think there is a lot of creativity here and it's kind of i mean it's it's strange right like you don't see it necessarily in the maps, but you see it a lot in, like, the characters. And it's, I think the biggest part where you'll see the creativity is kind of how Sonic, like, it's, it's weird to say, but, like, how Sonic fights. Um, because the, the other, the one, the main new thing they added to this game is Sonic can, like, beat people up, right? <laughs> they're, they're kind of obsessed yeah. with that. Right? They did that like, Sonic Unleashed and There's I think they did, moment. like, the Sonic Boom. Yeah, so he's kind of, like, he's has to like, punch some people in the face and stuff. But, um... You know, those moves have a lot of personality, and you know the the enemies you fight—they are very creative in how they handle them. Because it's not just like the basic combat—you know—mechanics. They're very simple, and I think that's fine for the kind of game it is. Because you don't really want to get bogged down, and like you don't want to get like the werehog where you're doing 30-minute stages on fighting people. Uh, You want something that's kind of quick and easy to like finish, and so that's fine. And I think for what it is, it's very flashy, but that you know the part i like about the enemies is that they aren't just about like mashing buttons and killing them they're, you know there's like an enemy where it's all about actually you have to like jump on like their tail and you like have to like run at them while dodging like lasers and stuff they're shooting at you while you're doing it so it's not and then after you like finally catch up to the boss or the creature they're not really bosses but the, the creature you then you can actually start beating them down and doing all that stuff um or there's one where it's like you gotta kind of like go into like a sumo ring with him, and you like have to bounce off the gates to like hit him into an electric fence before he can beat him up. And so they have a bunch of different creative ways to use Sonic in these like combat scenarios, which isn't really something you think of like when you think of Sonic, right? You're usually just like bopping on them with the homing attack or jumping on them or whatever. And so a lot of the creativity shines there, and I think it's especially apparent too. I mean, they they show in the trailer, so I guess it's not a spoiler, but at you know there's five islands you traverse. At the end of all the islands, you fight like a big, like neon genesis Evangelion Titan monster robot thing, and those are like some of the best parts of the game because you turn the supersonic, and it's you know it's like the final boss of a normal Sonic game like you know you're fighting like chaos or the giant wizards from Sonic Adventure 2, but like every single at the end of every single island, and it's cool because you know Sonic gets to do all these moves. They get to be really creative with how they have the robots like fight Sonic. Where there's like one where they have like a spinning like Babe Wade thing that like goes all around the arena, and Sonic has to like catch it and throw it right back at the monster. And so they have a lot of creativity. It's just it's not in the areas you would like expect from Sonic Face Front. It's like in these weird combat scenarios, and that, I think that was, I mean, I think it was a focus for them. And I mean, I, I think it works. It's just it's a weird area to focus on for Sonic. sorry you... about sorry about going on that rant <laughs> oh no, you're good uh tell us the... how you feel <laughs> <Did> you...
0: <laughs> i think i've done so <laughs> and what score did you give sonic frontiers
2: well so it was a double review uh with uh david uh, of, of flynn so he said nine i said eight so we split the baby and gave it 85.
0: there you go 85 all right very good. All right, that is Sonic Frontiers, developed by Sonic Team and published by Sega. So, Sega. Uh, does it do that at the beginning?
1: Do they bring that back?
2: No, they don't say yeah. it. Okay. It's Sonic's dead. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's an Australian
1: person saying Sega. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Never gonna try. Uh, all right, so.
0: Before we started this podcast early in the day, um, I'll be honest. David recommended we talk about Lego. Uh, 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 I'm about to say it. I'm about to say it. <laughs> brick Tales, not Brick House, as I wanted to say. Um, and I was like, what the frick is that? Like, That's <laughs> actually right how he reacted
1: game. in DM form.
0: Yeah, I was like... <laughs> Brick tales. it just name sounds awful but then i saw the trailer and i was like my bad my bad <laughs> nope let, 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 yes let's talk about this game because it looks interesting <laughs> so noah is reviewing it right now so let's talk about lego brick tales noah to me lego brick tales looks like mario maker for legos
3: is that accurate that is pretty close. Um, I was just like you when uh, this game got, you know, mentioned to me from Dave. I was like, "What?" Like, I've never heard of it, never even seen like any trailers or anything. And then I saw the trailer, and I was like, "Okay, let's 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 delve in." Um, and it's pretty close in in the sense of you don't make your own levels per se. Um, hmm. You'll play through kind of about halfway through it, um, but you'll play through these different levels um, and you go through a portal and they're each different, unique, um, but it's kind of really cool where the basic premise is something, an event happens and they need something built. And like, we can't build it, you're a Lego person, you build it. So you, <laughs> it puts you in basically almost like a creative mode. And you literally have a, it's not like an infinite number of blocks, which is really good. It's specific blocks. And you have to build like a ramp bridge, you know, other structural integrities for it. Mm. Um, So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's quite like Mario maker, but in the sense of you make your own builds and like the creative freedom that comes with that is definitely in the same spirit.
0: So like that you get these, I guess, objectives or almost like projects, basically. Yeah. yeah. You finish those projects, but can you finish them the way you want? Because it sounds like to me, like you get the project and you have to do that project and that's it. It's
3: in the way you want, but it gives you a lot of freedom. Like it's not like it gives you the specific amount of pieces that were required. It gives you quite a big volume. Um, and most of the time, you don't have to use half of the materials. It's really up to, it's almost, I'm an adult playing this game, and when I started it, I immediately jumped back to being a kid. You know, when you, you've got your pile of Legos there, and you're like, I want to build a building. And so you start building them up. The cool thing with this, though, is it treats it almost like the bridge construction games. We all played as a kid, and stuff like that, where you have to, basically can you carry this amount of weight or this robot has to you know move without falling oh, or okay. yeah. yeah you know yeah which I got to look in all of those bridge construction games that we've seen and you know advertising and stuff this studio was the one who did all of those so it makes sense okay. why it feels that Interesting. way because <laughs> I was like I I know that they haven't this almost looks like a spin-off kind of like how Lego Worlds was a spin off of the main Lego entries and so I delved deeper into who made this because I had never even heard of them. I was like, oh, they've done every bridge construction game known to man. <laughs> so That's it fair. literally sets it up. Um you know you get need to get from point A to point B. There's a like the one that I went through with the desert there's a construction vehicle. It's not spoiler or anything, but it needs to go up a ramp and you they're literally having you build the ramp. And the really cool thing is that whatever you decide to build, if it passes their specific objectives, if it passes those objectives, you know, you click all the check marks, it puts your build in the game piece per piece, which to me felt really cool. Um, It almost gives you the sense of kind of like when you build something in Minecraft, you're like, hey, I built that. You know, you're seeing this ramp in the game that you walk across. You're like, hey, I built that so for me so you kind of
0: kind of like if if i were to put this in like a physical sense you get this project and they're like yo you need to create a bridge so basically like you are you sit at a table and you start creating this bridge apart from everything else but once you're done with it if in your case the tractor can go across the bridge your bridge passes the test and it could be inserted into the world is that is that what you're saying
3: Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. They literally, like I said, there's a tractor that is on one side of a gap, we'll just say that. And they're like, hey, we need to get to the other side of this hill or the gap. And you build the, you know, you pass all the tests, all that stuff, you know, when it pops you back out of like the sandbox, basically, your bridge per brick is there. And then the tractor is on the other side and you get to walk across the build that you made so that satisfying it's very satisfying um it's like you know if you ever feel you're too you know it's too complex to be an engineer just play lego bricktail you'll get your bill of engineering it's really <laughs> really
2: fun that easy
3: it really is like i could go out and build a bridge now uh, um, <laughs> but the the great part about it is like that that's a very one dimensional gameplay loop. You know, you, it's just, it doesn't feel very satisfying to just do that for an entire game. But they mix it up with different puzzles and objectives that you go through. And that really freshes up the gameplay loop. I felt, I didn't feel, I didn't get bored, you know, doing the same kind of puzzle over and over again. So, so what do they? That. What,
1: yeah, I was gonna say, what do they put into it to
3: keep it fresh? Which it, the
1: game's already out; it's not gonna spoil anything really for yeah. it, So
3: And the the basis of the story is very simple: you're helping your grandpa reconstruct his theme park, and in order to power up the generator to finish, you know, constructing the theme park, you have to get happy crystals from <laughs> citizens that you help with your objectives. Like I said, it's a very it still is a Lego game through and through. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that
0: also sounds like a euphemism for anything
3: yeah. you want to think of. <laughs> anything um, <laughs> like they have in-game currency in a desert biome that you go to for an objective to help people out, and the in-game currency to let you buy like different outfits and stuff. for Your Lego is popsicles. You know, being dev do- <laughs> it's it's just so well thought. It's got the clever writing of the Lego games built into this like baby engineering demo. Um, But the different puzzle elements that they mix into it, it kind of does a little bit of everything, and I really like that. You have one where I don't know what the specific type of puzzle's called, but it's like, hey, there's this picture of a mosaic that you saw inside a temple. And in order to open this door, you need to take these LEGO pieces and reassemble the mosaic picture Hmm. which is really fun Uh, and they have other ones where it's you see a picture of a like there's a monkey statue in this jungle world and it's like hey we're not going to give you the blueprints or anything recreate the monkey statue because you have to have two of them to open up the door Uh, so it's, it's things like that where you're having to figure out you know recreation other puzzles they're kind of in the same vein with rearranging lego bricks it's it's still at the core it's a basic lego game but it's got different puzzles and different activities that keep it fresh um and I, like I said I I haven't been bored yet and I'm <laughs> in on world 3 so the it like most lego games it does um it is self aware. It knows that it's a Lego game. So the <laughs> the fourth wall, the clever writing, it's all there, all that stuff that was known for in the you know regular line series like the Lord of the Rings, all that stuff, it still translates over, which is really cool considering these teams never done a Lego game before. So Yeah, that's dope.
0: Uh, how complex is this for adults?
3: So the tutorial, I went into it. I got a big head, like, cause the tutorial, it's like, Hey, make these little stairs, these little steps. It's all super easy. And then it throws you into the first world and it's like, Hey, build a bridge. Without <laughs> any, any, I guess help. build a bridge without bricks. <laughs> yeah, basically. And so <laughs> it, it definitely is an adult. It's. That problem solving, you know, just figuring it out, trial and error, that kind of stuff. Um, but for kids, I think they'd have a blast just because they're like, hey, I get to just play with Legos, build a bridge, test it over and over again. Um, so, complexity wise, it does scale, like as you go into the levels or the different worlds, each world does scale up a little bit, but it's nothing that I've found to be too tough for anybody. I think just about all of us could figure it out. It's not, not and, the
0: Dark Souls of bridge building.
3: No, 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 thankfully <laughs> it, you don't have to have an engineering degree to uh, pass World Two of Five in this game, which is really nice. Now, all I can think of is the Dark
1: Souls boss of that game would be London Bridge.
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's like the Eiffel down. Tower. Stop it for Polly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to fix the Eiffel Tower to make it yeah. not fall yeah. into
0: oh, an abyss. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to figure out where the creativity is because you said you said there is creativity, but I mean you you talk about obviously the example of the bridge, and then you have examples of you know rearrange this monument, rearrange this picture, and build this and build that. So, I to me, I'm very like, okay, you asked me to do that, yeah. that's what I'm going to do and I've done it and I move on to the next thing. So where's the, I could kind of just go off and create.
3: Oh, that's the, I was hoping you were going to say that comment cause I was planning on someone saying that the really cool thing about it is you're going through for the first time. It's like, Hey, here's this set of pieces. You can go through kind of complete the objective, right? You just got to build the bridge. You know, there's one part where you have to build a Airplane to fly, to rescue this person. And it just gives you basic little test. Once you build it and you complete the objective, you can go back through and that opens up kind of a pure sandbox mode where it gives you a separate second set of like cosmetic Lego pieces that you can change the colors, the palettes, all of that stuff. So instead of it being just a basic, almost like Lincoln Log level designs and whatever you create, you can add in color, flare, your own style to your builds. And that translates directly back into the game. So if I, when I built this helicopter, I was like, I just want it to fly and get off the ground. I don't care what it looks like. You know, I just need to go save this person. Once you got through, I could go back. I was like, okay, I want to add some color, some lights, maybe a second wink. So all that kind of creativity that if you want to go back in and just kind of explore and, you know, like when you're a little kid, when you're not satisfied with something and you want to just keep adding on to it with color and flair, you can And it really allows you to kind of test out different colors and styles.
0: Is there a free creation mode?
3: I'm assuming there is once you beat the game. I just haven't got that far yet. I'm, it's the worlds themselves almost, it's a top down game. So it's not like your regular Legos where it's that third person back with a camera view behind them. It's top down and the level designs almost feel like a board game with mm-hmm. the different, um, it's really kind of cool. It reminds me of some of the old Mario games where there's hidden secrets. That you have to turn the map a certain way to see like behind the specific corridor and stuff um, but i'm assuming they're I'm hopefully I don't, I don't know why they would not put like just a pure sandbox mode at the end of it um but yeah I'm, i haven't got that far yet i'm hoping so i don't see why they wouldn't but you can go back and kind of free roam your builds that you went through and kind of recreate. you know test play with it's It's not like i said it's not something you're going to probably want to spend 40 hours doing you know it's it's more so if you're i would say it's mostly for kids and stuff going back in and just playing around with that you know design their own helicopter in a new way stuff like that i i'm hoping they will but we'll
0: see okay anybody else got anything
2: Anyone else play Lego Island Two? That game was sick.
1: (laughs) Lego Island is is awesome. I don't I don't know that I played the second one, but I played a little bit of the first one. It was great. There we go. go
2: Thinking of the the brickster the whole time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, that is uh, Lego Brick Tales. Uh, That is developed by Clockstone and published by Thunderful Group and Thunderful Publishing. All right. David, you got uh, plenty of
1: news for us to talk
0: about. Hit us.
1: Yeah. uh, Some of it is very Call of Duty oriented because there was a lot of Call of Duty information that came out this week um, with them detailing not only the new season coming for Modern Warfare 2, which, crazy enough, they were like, hey, we're going to drop the game. You get 20 days to fully rank up and then we're throwing you directly into a new season of content. Um, but they have dropped not only that, but they will drop Warzone 2 along with the DMZ mode, which is supposed to be an escape from Tarkov like experience. And that all hits on November 16th. Uh, Warzone 2, we got to see a little, I got to see a little bit of that being played. Over uh, on Wednesday, because they had a, a group of creators playing it. And man, that map looks really, really fun. I don't know if anybody else has seen any of the footage that they've they've showed. But Al looks like it's going to be what Verdansk was when Warzone hit. Where it was just this big hit. Everybody really loved the way the map was. Uh, one of the things I automatically noticed is it looks like you're going to... So what's funny... And something that we've talked about in terms of Call of Duty's multiplayer it really has slowed everything down. Right. Mm. <laughs> so Warzone, funny enough, it doesn't seem like they're rewarding long range gunplay as much. Oh, because is- I was watching people using LMGs because that happens a whole lot in Warzone 1. People get these ridiculous LMG builds with different attachments and whatnot, and the thing is a laser. It straight up does not miss. And when you've got a huge magazine of 150 bullets, (laughs) you're going to be almost unstoppable because you don't have to reload. I didn't see anybody who had a gun that it felt like it wasn't bouncing, whether it was an LMG or an assault rifle. On that same token, from what some of the people who've played it have been talking about, it sounds like the snipers may be the way to go, but even those have more bullet drop than regular Warzone does. Good. So it's just very interesting that you would slow the pace of the game in terms of movement, the the making it more tactical especially in 6v6, and then Warzone comes out which would be more tactical, but because of the way you've built the guns and the way, obviously, nerfs, buffs, all that different stuff will change this game as time goes on. And I'm sure there's going to be people who find some just absolutely nasty builds. But because we're limiting attachments so much and whatnot, it's going to be very tough at the beginning of this game to be like, oh, okay, this AR has just straight up no recoil. No, people are going to be literally getting to a point where it's like, okay, this just has the l- recoil I can I can function with. <laughs> is what's going to happen.
0: I wonder if there's going to be attachments or something that can really decrease the amount of recoil so that, you know, by the time you're in the end game, you know, you don't have much recoil.
1: Well, the biggest thing is it's going to make these end games play. You're not going to have people, hopefully at least the way that it seems, you're not going to have people just playing up on high ground, just trying to shoot at people at a long distance anymore, because it also seems like damage, uh, the damage range isn't nearly as ridiculous as some of these other guns as they were hitting war zone was. So they're intentionally, once again, they slowed the pacing down only to make it. So it's better to engage people in this mode. <laughs> and, yeah. but you don't have the tools to just, you know, break someone's camera by sliding around them anymore. So it's going to make these gunfights really, at least in my opinion, it means you're, it's going to become way more skill-based because you're going to have to be, have dead on aim. You're going to be looking for those headshot multipliers, all that kind of stuff. And you're going to be trying to figure out, okay, tactically, what way am I going to get in close? Uh, People that, I mean, that's what I've been having to do playing all these new maps in modern warfare. uh, The six V six maps is Okay there's all this cover here i need to figure out what way gets me around this power position and i've been learned i honestly feel like i've been doing pretty darn good with that <laughs> even on some of the larger maps where that's a lot tougher to do i've been figuring that out and warzone just i mean those maps are humongous so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all works along with the fact of i don't know that we've ever talked about it they are doing something, and I know it's it's like, oh, not just one, there's two. Uh, they're actually doing it now where when you get to a specific circle, they're doing two circles.
0: Yeah, I saw a picture of that, and yeah. I didn't realize what was
1: going on. Yeah, essentially, you're going to have a, at a specific circle, instead of it be, being one big circle going just into another smaller circle, it'll go into two circles, which then will merge into one final circle so it's a way to once again make people engage well they tested and it so I'm going to trust them it's just really interesting when it feels like the whole point of Modern Warfare was no don't engage <laughs> and now it's like no we want you to engage
0: <laughs> yeah I didn't play enough of the first Warzone <laughs> to get deep into the the meta as, yeah. uh, as I usually do with other competitive games. Uh, it, it, I liked it, but Apex was more my thing at the time. So I didn't realize that it, it devolved or evolved into mostly long-range combat, which is wild it, for Call of Vanguard,
1: Duty. Vanguard really pushed people into that. And part of it is because Caldera was a lot of open areas. You didn't have near. You didn't have as many buildings. They're, they're, they were there, but there weren't nearly as many buildings. It was a lot of open space, and as well as it was a mountainous kind of. There was a big peak in the middle of it, and everything. So it made a lot of sense. Of okay, the, this is where the circle is going to be. I need to position myself or drop in around high ground. So as the circle continues, I still have high ground to kind of hit people below. And I mean, there were there were builds. And this is from someone who was testing a whole lot of different builds. There were builds that were almost no recoil. I mean, straight up, you could just beam somebody. And these were ARs with 70 round mags, mm-hmm. <laughs> like drum mags and stuff. So when you can do that, it it's just impossible to get away. Yeah. Um. So it's just, it's really interesting that they're, Like I said, it almost feels like, okay, now it's better for me to engage up close, even though the game style tells me that I should sit back.
0: (laughs) How do you think the water is going to impact Almazra? Mazra?
1: um, It could be pretty humongous considering you're going to be able to fully swim in this compared to the previous games. I mean, you could always run across creeks and stuff like that that was not that wasn't a problem but now in this where it's a full-on okay i can actually get away i I think that'll actually become more of a that's how i get out of a bad situation as i swim away uh people may even start using off the building into the oh yeah (laughs) i mean the bullets can't travel in into water and if somebody can't see you to shoot you then that's that's kind of a logical step in getting away from from gunfire since you can't just run away from it as easily now so it's just it's very interesting how all of this stuff is just coming together in this game mode and I definitely can't wait for it uh, it hits next week on the 16th and you people can start preloading it on the 14th so hmm. i will be playing the absolute crap out of it next Wednesday evening for sure because uh, Gaming few... Trend will be doing a review. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well We've
0: got to get a, f- a few
1: Modern Warfare 2 matches before you drown oh, yeah. in Warzone 2. Well, I'll be playing a lot of that, too, because Season 1 is hitting. And I'm going to want to play on new maps and new guns and start earning my Battle Pass and all that fun stuff. Which, interestingly enough, they changed the Battle Pass in this game. So they have gone, I don't know if anybody has played Fortnite recently or has messed around with it, but they are actually going with the Fortnite system of Battle Pass in Modern Warfare and Warzone. Essentially, the way it's working is instead of being this linear hundred tiers, you grind out, you earn it. It's now becoming, there are 20 different skill trees almost with five different things in each tree. And as you play, you earn tokens, which you then deposit into the specific tree that you want to unlock from. Oh, that's the so, uh, Master Chief Collection, that's which been
0: that yeah, way. That, for which, a long is time. that like a Come recent
2: in. thing for Fortnite?
1: Uh, it is a recent thing for Fortnite.
0: Yes, because okay, uh, I, I played
2: it in January because Spider Man was in it. so I had to play for Spider Man, yeah. but that was when it sounded like it was how COD initially did it, like where it was linear. So like, I yeah, the linear. linear. Okay.
0: I mean, that's yeah, the Because way Fortnite did it. Um, I mean, it was all
1: challenge-based originally. With yeah, do you, yeah. Your challenges for the week, and that. but it was still linear yes, in how yeah, you that's did that's it. That's how you yeah. progress. You,
0: you finish challenges. But Master yeah. Chief Collection for a long time has been complete challenges, earned tokens, put it into yep. the tier that you want. So, um, you And I, I think that's... 343 three yeah. on that one. Oh, yeah.
1: Credit to them because I really like the sound of that system because if I want to... If I want a specific gun instead of waiting to, you know, tier 35, then I can just immediately invest into that specific tier. And within five, five unlocks, I've got that gun. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously, the. Yeah. Well, obviously, the, the challenge with anything like that is you have to make sure that everything is rewarding or that you have really good end final. <laughs> final fifth items in each of those 20 because Mm. you have to make each one something that somebody's still willing to put the hundred grind into
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't get black spider-man so that was disappointing
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep and the cool thing they're also using that as a jump to changing their prestige which they've been doing seasonal prestige is how they've been treating the game. Essentially, each season they would reset everybody's rank back to zero, uh, as, assuming they completed the initial fifty-five unlocks. And from there, it would be a okay. So you've you you start at zero. Whatever you earn, let's say I get all the way to two fifty, it would reset me in season two. I could earn all the way to like three hundred. It would reset me again. And so it would just give you kind of a basis of, okay, you've reached this level each season. If you get past, uh, for for the last two, I believe, as long as you got past 200, they granted you Prestige Master for the season was the way they treated it. In this game, with the start of the new season, you will be able to go all the way up to 250. But the cool thing that they're doing is it sounds like next season it'll jump to 500. So they're making it so everybody can kind of grind up without having to feel like, oh, you just reset all of my progress. As well as, oh, I didn't get to play a lot this season. If I put extra time into season two, I can grind all the way up to where all my friends are. So it's just this nice feeling of progression. For, for somebody, I enjoy that. Uh, it is going to kind of suck because I'm going to end up getting stuck at 250 every season probably halfway through and be like okay what do i do now
0: well i didn't know people still cared about prestiging and you're a, you're a halo way. player
1: what would you know
0: well don't you forget, don't get they, progression they added that in reach what are you talking about they added progression in reach and they went on forever so and then they yes, ripped like,
1: it away from you in infinite do I do know about it uh,
0: and don't forget I played Call of Duty uh, you know I'm, I'm, I got I got you too. at least a little bit
1: gosh <laughs> Dude, people people love it it's a it's still a status symbol there are actually people who want the old school prestige back
0: yeah like, well where you lose they,
1: everything when you reset
0: yeah that I mean yeah there's people uh, in the Halo world who still like Halo 3's form of progression where it was kind of skill uh skill based yep okay so what else lots you got? of
1: lots of cool stuff there lots of cool stuff there as and we're getting apparently another premium game of Call of Duty in 2023 so what mm. Jason Schreier has said, After, you know, okay, they're delaying Black Ops, so this is going to be the first year, 2023's first time we've never had a Call of Duty come out. Well, guess what? You're still going to be able to pay full price for Call of Duty, apparently, in 2023. Because from what they're saying, Sledgehammer, the team who just did Vanguard, is working on a premium expansion for Modern Warfare 2. The question, of course, is whether or not it will be a, I own Modern Warfare 2, so this is expanding, or if this is a, hey, we heard you like Modern Warfare 2, do you like Modern Warfare 2, (laughs) 2?
2: So, (laughs) uh, this is Modern Warfare 2, 2, 2, technically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh.
1: Technically, you are correct.
0: Modern Warfare but 2 2023. We,
1: yeah, we have not uh, discussed openly the spoilers of how the campaign ends for Modern Warfare 2, but I know that I believe we both said that we would be very excited to see them expand on the campaign. So that that is the talk, just is that the modern, we will In my them. opinion,
0: just the Modern Warfare universe. Just keep yep. on, keep on
1: going. Well, it sounds like we're going to get that because. In their actual financial results, they said that there is a full premium release in 2023, and Shrier, like I said, corroborated. Sledgehammers helming it; it's probably full price. So, it's sledgehammer though. Mm. Yeah, but as, if they're working, at, if they're working in the confines of what's already built as opposed to uh, people also forget they also helped design modern warfare 3. Yeah,
0: and that wasn't as good as 2.
1: In all fairness, what else was going to be as good as 2 though? Fair. It was going to be I very mean... it was going to be very hard for anything to be as good as OG modern warfare 2. So. I don't it'll, remember it'll be much from Modern Warfare
0: Three, except for a lot of the 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 unique modes that they added and and the, yep. some of the multiplayer maps. But as far as story is concerned, I don't really remember much from it.
2: Yeah, was that I'll, the one I'll... where they had the nuke on people, or was that which one was that? I believe every people? Call of
1: Duty's one that yeah, they like, have the
2: nuke on people. it <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay? I because I, I know two that. had the terrorist one. Like you're a terrorist. What was the controversial one in three? I, I'm trying to remember.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. I don't remember whatever that yeah, was. Okay.
2: My point. I was like nuking no. people, and it's like, oh, here's our family, and they're yeah. very happy. And then they blow them up. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was the very yeah. first. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So, okay.
2: Uh, yeah. Part
0: of me wants to say it was the Russians, but I don't. I don't. I don't think so.
1: It's always the um, Russians.
0: No, I mean, I'm really in the first. I quote you on games, that, but,
1: David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is in the podcast, so it's already fully quoted, sir.
0: <laughs> um. But that's that's all I'm saying. Like, if Modern Warfare Three is Sledgehammer's magnum opus, then I mean, like, wow, not yeah. you
1: know, that's not in, great. In the end, as long as they're being shepherded by Infinity Ward, which I assume they probably will be, I, I just want to. I want an expansion on what is already here. I want you to know what you just
0: did there. Shepherded, by. yeah. Infinity War. That's not good, man. Shepard's not good. You don't know.
1: Well, it feels like almost every team from Activision worked on Modern Warfare 2, so I know, they, right? everybody has experience. I'm just saying, Shepard.
0: <laughs> yep. I want not involve yep. Shepard in anything related to Modern Warfare 2's future.
1: Nah, he, it's still in the end, didn't uh, I, I still wanted to shoot him in the face if he was ever on screen. <laughs> I know what you're going to (laughs) do. But do you know how?
0: (laughs) All right. What else you got?
1: Moving on from Call of Duty, Nintendo Switch hardware sales hit 114 million units as of the end of September, which is up from 111. But Nintendo expects to sell fewer consoles in this fiscal year. So they've actually adjusted down. It's not because the Switch not good. It's just because the Switch has run its course. I It's just at the point where it's is not as fresh as it was a couple years ago. <laughs> they sold a lot of them, but we need more. Yeah,
0: um, I'm trying to think of what games will be coming in the future. I can't think of them off the top of my head. So the only Zelda? thing... Yeah, Breath oh, of yeah, the Wild 2. <laughs> How did I
1: forget that one? I mean, Breath Ooh. of the Wild 2, You've got Kirby Superstar Deluxe. You've got Pokemon here in a week. will be Kirby next Deluxe Deluxe not to sell. Switch. <laughs> You've got Pikmin three Kingdom that's will. supposed to be, or Pikmin four is supposed to be next year. That might sell a few.
0: Tears of the Kingdom will be the
1: next big boost. So I want to uh, say Metroid Prime Four, but it, it just hurts my heart that. to say that. No, I'm <laughs> <that>. sorry. <laughs> Because I, I want it to eventually come out. But So Nintendo's
0: course of action based on history will be from here. If they are running out of, uh, I guess, more people uh, bundles during the holiday season. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of Mario Kart bundles. You'll probably see some Animal I think Crossing that's bundles actually again. actually what they're
1: selling is the Mario Kart bundle again. <laughs> so there's that. I,
2: like I the wouldn't be
0: surprised year. if Animal Crossing bundles show up.
2: What else? Did uh, you see that other thing from their investor call where they're like, "Oh, maybe we'll raise the price of the switch soon." I don't know. We'll look into it.
0: Everybody's yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I mean, oh. I th- I think that's probably what they're going to do to make up for the lower sale going forward. Is that? I mean, that's here.
1: Here's the easiest way to raise the price: release another system that you can justify it with. There you go. And they it has to be in the it has to be in the works at this point. It just does. Uh, they are. Oh, I it's believe been in the in latest the worst. There's
2: no question about yeah. that. The the yeah, latest I, I, think it's just a I believe. Yeah, it's like because I I mean I think you know with the COVID stuff, a lot of companies right, they're kind of coasting a little bit because they had such a big boost in those previous years, or there's not really in just indication. And so I you know I kind of wonder like, I mean you know it's not like they got Zelda and stuff. I mean. They've got like five games already announced. Is it possible that they'll coast another year? I mean, like with them thinking about, oh, well, maybe we'll raise the price or something. I yeah. that's kind of what I I feel like they're gonna do. And then it'll be like 2024 is when they'll actually release the new one. But that I mean, that's that's my thoughts on it. I
1: I could see that. Um, I could also see them in January saying, okay, here's the switch too. Uh Guess what comes out when Zelda comes out he he's shaking his head but they announced the switch in january for a february release the original i remember
0: you saying that i fully remember you right <laughs> well, so I, I am weird, backing myself
1: up
2: <laughs> they had that weird commercial though like several months before this switch right like they had with those people like doing the rooftop switch party they announced that first like the fall before they actually had that january event for the switch so it was like it was like a six month lead time i think
1: but gotcha I guess it just depends on which what Nintendo decides they want to do because Nintendo is so Nintendo that they will literally. I would I I would be just as surprised to hear or to hear that they're releasing the new Switch tomorrow as I would that it's coming in a year.
0: Here's why I'm actually going to tell you why they're not going to announce anything in January because the Wii U didn't sell, so they could get away with announcing it in January. The Switch has sold, so oh they to... they messed up.
2: Okay, you're talking about the Wii U and okay. the Switch. Okay.
0: No, yeah, I didn't mess up. The the Switch, though... Has I, thought, been... I thought I messed
2: up. Sorry. I'm oh, going no, no, yeah. no, you're okay. good.
0: The, the Switch has been selling, though. So, yeah. and it probably will still sell holiday... I forgot about Pokemon. That's coming. That's going to sell a few more um, as well. So, you got that. You got the Mario Kart bundle, whatever other bundle they decide to have. And, you know, parents are going to swap that up. Kids are going to want it, yada, yada, yada. And then you announce the Switch, too, after they spent that money. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna. Nobody wanted the Wii U, so they if can you've go got through backwards a compatibility, season.
1: it's easier though.
0: Nah, well, we overestimate <laughs> backwards compatibility. Nintendo says people underestimate backwards compatibility. I did see that story come out from Shigeru Miyamoto, but yep. um, that it work. I will say it works for Nintendo, but still, after people have just spent money on getting this console. For the holiday season, then you're going to announce the new one that doesn't feel good. Not at it, all.
1: It doesn't, but at the same, at the same part, Nintendo has been constantly releasing their consoles in the tax time. They did it, they've done it quite a few times. The DS, the 3DSs, that kind of stuff. Like, it's just, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I just would not be at all surprised to be like, okay. hey, we announced it in march they hit march and they're like okay uh we're releasing a new switch alongside the next zelda game it would not surprise me at all because that is a immediate i would rather y- y- you don't want to waste a game like zelda's potential to sell your new system because there are so many people who would just up and abandon their switch to get the new switch for zelda and that that's the main absolute oh yeah hey. I, I'm more just putting the that's what they should do. I don't know that they will do it, but that's the what they should do argument.
0: <laughs> I'll say I'm not even sure they should because there's still a lot of people who haven't bu- bought the OLED yet. So uh Tears of the Kingdom could be an excuse for people to pick up an OLED so they could play yeah. it on their nice fresh brand new screens.
1: The only thing you run into is you've got the if you're revising your forecast down, you're not expecting that.
0: Fair. Um, yeah. but they are thinking about other things that we're probably not thinking about: chip shortages, manufacturing costs. You know, whatever, whatever the case may be. That I might... think the
1: costs would factor more in than the shortages because I think we're starting to get out of that now. Fair,
0: yeah, I I would totally agree with you on that. So, um, I don't know. it it'll, it'll be interesting, um, to see how well, Nintendo yeah. deals with this because they're gonna have to if the Switch really starts selling low. Um, I what if they are forecast what is their fiscal year end in what march is theirs in march i i think I it might be yeah okay. year ending, ending three. is march yeah. 2023 yeah yeah so, Q4 and then t- is usually
3: into february say that again quarter four is usually in february for most companies so around march is when usually the fiscal year starts
0: back okay. up again so um and tears of the kingdom comes out in
1: march so march uh, or no it's may it's may Oh May, so got yeah. my M's confused.
0: So yeah, so so that's you could gauge weird. a lot. They
1: could gauge a lot over the holidays if they decided they wanted to do, to push. It. Let's say it's ready. Let's say it's it's actually we get to February and it's ready. They can directly look at their holiday how it went and be like, okay, sure. should we or should we not, or should we push it back? Because uh, they they actually reduced their switch forecast by two million units. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, but then you'd have to also consider would the new console account as a switch in, in terms of how they're going to count the numbers and units sold and things like that. Um, and I guess they could do that. They could absolutely they could do whatever they want as far as if they could get their their books and all that set up. But um, that, would be, that would be interesting because if you do launch it, Along with Tears of the Kingdom. You could still sell more switches. Yeah. But is would this be a cross compatible game with the Switch and the new Switch? Is it a I feel like you probably
1: have to do it that way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Both both versions, yeah.
1: The the interesting thing of course would be just what how do you adjust everything? Do you remove the OLED and the regular switch from the market and just because in my opinion, they keep the switch light permanently. Like that's just going to yes. stick around. That's yes. not getting a, if they release a new console, they're not doing a revision on that. Cause that's just intentionally we're taking it with us. We could, that's, that's the, that's their new DS. Yes. <laughs> Is the light. Uh, so, so do you go ahead and knock out your other two models or do you, obviously in my mind, they get rid of the non OLED completely if if they bring a new one out that's just completely gone but yeah. the question would be on the oled do you give up that quickly on it or do you keep it around as a lower cost barrier
0: you do that you
1: you you cuz then you could do you, 400 300
0: 200 <laughs> i don't even that's know if my you mind. need to do that you just have the oled and then you have yeah. you either have the option of the nice screen and probably the next switch or whatever it's going to be would have a nice screen as well it'd probably start off as yep. an oled and yeah. then, so you could have the OLED more power or yep. you can afford just the OLED. And I think that would be a nice yeah. balance between the two. And you just have those two on the market and that yeah. would probably help sell more units. If they're just going to account like switches, this and switch two is something different.
1: Yep. No, that was all weird. We'll see. This'll be interesting. Y'all have any comments on, on Nintendo and
3: all that fun stuff there. Yeah, I do. Um, sorry, I, I didn't want to interrupt the two-way combo. Oh, go ahead. Um, I, I it's kind a four-way of combo, man. What's a- <laughs> with the uh, with David, I I would be I would not be surprised if they launch it with Tears of the Kingdom, um, mostly because I don't think how you brought up you know people who just bought a Switch. How would they feel about you know, in a net you know a couple months afterwards, a new console? getting i don't know if that's necessarily what nintendo is concerned with or even who they're catering to i think they're catering the switch to to the ones who have had the switch for years who are you know kind of the the hardcore fans who will just come up and buy it no matter what so i don't i don't think they need to worry about that kind of pushback
1: that is the fun thing with nintendo fans they literally will buy anything nintendo sold them cardboard
3: nintendo sold
1: them cardboard
3: that is true yeah yeah the oleds they it was literally just kind of an upgrade and i had people who came in just because it was a new version of their switch they wanted it immediately because it is nintendo they don't have to justify it they just they don't even think about it which is you know good for nintendo I don't think they need to worry about that. It's mostly just because I want that new console, much like <laughs> all of us. <laughs>
0: that would be nice. Point, yeah, I mean, my three, my gut... Like, Man, this feels old.
2: My gut tells me that they're going to coast, but I would love if they announced a new console, because I feel like this game news, I mean, for the past year, year two, I mean, it's been really boring, and <laughs> I feel like they... The industry kind of needs like a new console that kind of shake things up, and I think you know Miyamoto also made a comment at the fiscal thing where you know, very Nintendo is like, well, if we're gonna announce new hardware, it's gonna be a new way to play games. I kind of feel like we're overdue for something like that right now. Like you know, we got the PlayStation Five and the Xbox, uh, various uh, series, but you know, they're kind of doing what has been we've been doing. It's not like it's majorly shaking up the way things get played. I, I feel like we had something like a DS or a Wii really shaking things up, that would be great. Because I mean, even, you know, Switch has been a big success for them, but I think it's also like their most traditional thing they've released, you know, since GameCube. And so it kind of, it's a little conservative in that aspect. So I think it'd be great if they really shook things up, but my gut says they're going to hold out for another year and it's going to be a little boring. <laughs>
1: the, the other fun is, do you hold out another year? And let the steam deck just continue to grab more people
2: it's a totally I mean, different I, audience yeah i mean i feel like you know the steam deck i think it's good that it's working out and i it would be great if like it actually gave them nintendo like real competition so like you know playing switch games and it's running at 10 frames per second um <laughs> but yeah i mean i think it's just nintendo's concern is like the bigger audience and i think steam decks are very much like this is like what a core, yeah. you know, core gamer. This is what that's what who it's for. I don't know if you know, little Billy is getting a Steam Deck or going to ever get a Steam Deck or even know how to like yeah. put games on it. And so that and that's the kind of the barrier that's easier for Nintendo to overcome, and they design all their stuff with that in mind. And so it's it, it's really difficult, I think, for like Steam Deck to like literally eat yeah. Nintendo's lunch, except for like with the core audience. And I guess. As long as they can get a switch emulator on a Steam Deck, then that's then they can do that. <laughs>
0: you can't even it's find kinda, Steam Deck in Target, so there's no yeah, way and that's, they can That's touch. the biggest issue, and that's, that's the why I issue. hope they even bring if it wasn't it. Target, yeah. it still wouldn't eat uh, Nintendo's lunch because they yeah. don't have what Nintendo has.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, it's just, I, I I would just love to see, and obviously Nintendo is Nintendo. Nintendo competes with no one because. No one competes with Nintendo. It's Nintendo is Nintendo is Nintendo. (laughs) You can't get anything like it. And they aren't trying. They aren't even actively trying to take consumers from anybody else. They're just like, hey, we're going to do our thing. If you want to come hang out.
2: Cool. (laughs) It's very true. Like Like a lot more right now. They're a lot more interested in like mass media expansion, I think, than necessarily even video games. Like, obviously, they've got a stranglehold on their in video games but you can see this the way they're expanding as a company you know they're doing these amusement parks they're doing these movies the Mario movie they're, the major concern I think with Nintendo right now is like how can we get as big as possible beyond video games
1: Yeah, building that brand up yeah. and that's and that's every video that's all the big three right now Every all of them I mean they just announced the Gears of War movie for Netflix mm-hmm. we all knew Microsoft was going to try to find a way to I mean they just did Halo TV show whether you love it or you hate it that's them trying to get this exposure take this take the all this exposure that the game industry suddenly has from this pandemic that put it front and center that's how you keep it is okay now it's on your cornflakes now it's in your movie theater now it's on your favorite streaming service so it gets on it's on your
0: Wheaties now you yep. know you've made it
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't Me. done anything
0: with Animal Crossing yet Yep. A little Animal Crossing cartoon. Oh man, the
2: children yep. would eat the oh, dude up.
0: That's a, really, for that a really destiny
2: anime. Cute, <laughs> a really cute Animal Crossing movie from like twenty years ago. That's like the only time they've ever done anything like that, but it was a nice huh. little film.
0: Interesting. You capitalize on that pandemic Animal Crossing <laughs> audience though. Oh yeah. That was huge. That's All right, what true. else you got, David.
1: Um lastly 35 million people played Overwatch 2 in its first month. Pretty good. That is ridiculous and shows that this whole bet of let's launch free-to-play totally paid off. (laughs) Activision right now has the top, if you look at like most played games on Xbox, three of the top five games are Activision Blizzard games they are winning right
0: now it already looks like they acquired them
1: <laughs> yep they are they are winning with this formula and you can they can kind of hold their heads high cuz if you've got that many players invested then that means they're pouring money into your battle pass they're pouring money into the shop and more importantly they're staying engaged with your game because i've seen many a game launch day 1 and drop off hard after that first week i believe anthony you and i can both speak to new world everybody played Uh-oh. that hard for like a week or two and then just yeah. cra- cratered but
2: overwatch is not doing it right ha-
1: halo Uh-oh. wasn't as fast but it did yeah. fall off um it, and it mainly fell off on pc that was the biggest thing is they if they were hoping to capture a bigger pc audience they it didn't work uh yeah because they've they're still they will still always have their xbox base but they, it they've really dropped off on on capturing another spot uh but yeah they they are doing a fantastic job what's even more impressive is that that overwatch number did not drop hardcore when call of duty came out as well so a different audience and it is uh, but it's think, just very it's very interesting to see that hey we can have two
3: top games mm-hmm. like that i, I think it, it also helps like you said they're, they're two different games like i really like going in and doing a good session of overwatch you know you do your comp and then you kind of once you get done it's like hey i can own something different you know i can hop right into Call of Duty, and they're a completely different feeling and mm-hmm. just different gameplay style so I think it's they can coexist pretty well because they don't really have to fight over you know players they're so different and unique
0: that's the thing you can drop from Overwatch to Call of Duty to Halo that's (laughs) and they all can coexist
1: under Microsoft and the fun thing with Overwatch 2 the fun thing with Overwatch 2 is the fact that in another month there's another season Mm-hmm. So you should they should only just continue growing this that's that's the good news for them is players are still engaged a month in and you've got a new hero around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> so you're just gonna continue to keep people engaged
0: i am I'm curious to know what the actual feedback about the shop is. Yeah. Since I know that's been a, a, a complaint in the the Reddits and the Twitter spheres and whatnot, but I also wonder how much money it's generating compared to their loot box era stuff. Um so that that will be more interesting to me than just the thirty five million in a month because if if they're keeping these players but they're not spending, then that's a bigger problem for Blizzard, because yeah, that's yeah. the whole point of free-to-play. You want people and, to spend. spend.
3: Yeah, and with, with Overwatch 2, it's it's them doing a completely new model, you know. So we, mm-hmm. I, I kind of expected that the price ranges and stuff, I didn't expect it to land that, you know, perfect sweet spot where everybody's happy. I figured it was going to go one of two ways, and they didn't know either. You know, they got people who are their job is to figure out, you know, what's the max amount we can charge something and still, you know, still make money and stuff like that. Cause if you're making a lot of money, you know, you can ignore Reddit and how they feel about the shop. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm Oh yeah. Oh, it's a, it's always
1: you know, a, what what price point can I put it where people will complain and still buy? <laughs> That's exactly. always what you're looking for.
0: <laughs> That's why I'm and curious it, to know what those
1: numbers are. Yep. I'm sure we'll get those. No, it's, soon enough.
2: Uh, it's, it's, you know, I I, kind of go in and out of like being interested in this sales stuff, because a lot of it is turned into like, well, we're getting, we have like a billion players, but we're never like disclosing the exact amount of money that is actually coming in from this. And so it's, it's tough, right? Like, I, this is maybe the cynical side to me, right? But I feel like the reason a lot of reports have changed to these kinds of things, like, well, we're getting a bunch of players or we're getting like active engagement is because that's easier to give to investors than like real numbers of like actual money being made and you know you see that too with like a lot of streaming services you know we're we're getting a lot of stuff on this particular show but it's like well how does this necessarily translate into money into subscribers and it's kind of vague it's a lot of like i don't know houdini stuff into like it's frustrating right because and So, I I mean, I used to work with someone who, like, analyzed game sales stuff, like, every single week for their website. It was a lot easier because you could, like, at some point, you could actually tell what the numbers were and, like, you could actually follow the whole story. And I think a big issue of following sales stuff these days is just so obscured, it's kind of vague, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. And so... You know if it's these games are like holding on and doing stuff it's great it's just it's hard to tell necessarily from just the numbers and i think that's what f is kind of getting at too it's it's just it's strange right because <laughs> it's like almost non-news in a way
0: yeah no it's it's strictly for like hey stockholders <laughs> oh yeah well that's Microsoft. So that's a lot of,
1: um, M- microsoft really they they literally do not care at this point if a game sells it, they care is how many players played. That's that's yeah. what it's at at this point.
0: Because um, more people means a higher percentage of people who will buy something. So if yep. you know if you only had two million, that's a lower percentage of you know buyers. Because you know realistically, you're only going to get one to ten percent of people who are really going to like purchase stuff. So you want to oh, get yeah. those numbers as high as possible, so those percentages are higher, so you make more money. But that's the kind of stuff we have to get during earnings calls and stuff where you know activision blizzard is you know ex- explaining where where yep. their growth came from and uh the, this is how overwatch 2 did for us it grossed this much and all that stuff so
1: and sadly you don't even get that in some calls
2: <laughs> no you don't that's true it's a lot of like theoretical money and <laughs> you kind of have to like theory craft. well theoretically you know we're getting <laughs> This many subscribers, which will theoretically get us this much money, which will theoretically translate to all this stuff, and it's like, well, that's a lot of theories.
0: <laughs> yeah, yep. at some point they have to give up the goods though, because people yeah. are, uh, you know, they're they're betting their money it, it, more or less uh, in the in the in the shares and stuff. So. I mean,
1: we finally saw Phil Spencer finally had to say essentially that Game Pass was making them some profit. <laughs> like he, they have been quiet on Game Pass money for a long time to the point where people literally were like wait is it even profitable which is a weird (laughs) thing to do
0: because i'm like if it's profitable you want people to you want to tell people that (laughs) (laughs) it it almost felt like he was
1: just it almost felt like he was just high he's been hiding it this whole time and finally had to say something like said like like you said because the investors needed to know
3: (laughs) What were you what did you say noah i was just say it makes sense, you know, how, how long have we heard them just talk about like, you know, subscriber counts and stuff. And it's like, well, is it paying the bills,
2: you know, you've gotta, you've
3: gotta tell, you know, the people who are paying you that, you know, their, their investments are being rewarded, you know,
0: you can't tell (laughs) them
3: like, Hey, we got a lot of people here, you know, without being like, is the money there though,
1: so (laughs) we got 200 people in the restaurant. Okay, but did anybody buy are they, anything?
3: Are, are they paying? Are they paying for their meal? Or <laughs> are, are, are they eating the free bread on the table? This, yeah, this is what yeah. we need to know. <laughs> did everybody order bread and water? Or actually it here.
0: Very true. All right, Dave, you got anything else?
1: That is it, my good man.
0: All righty. All right, that is it for this episode. If you want to talk to us and tell us what you think about the games we talked about, we talked about Sonic for Tears. We talked about LEGO Brick Tales. So if you want to do that, Hit us up on the Discord. Tell us how you feel about those games. Uh, and, you, again, you can find uh, all the stuff in the show notes, whatever podcast app you use. So, thank you for listening. I was about to say thank you for watching but we're not on YouTube anymore. So, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you later.